you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 67 of the Banner Brands Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a delightful weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And I hope you are enjoying the podcast on all of your favorite podcast applications like Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, etc., etc. So what's going on? Great week for the Celtics. Productive. Big. I thought this was a really, 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 really good week for the Boston Celtics. They are currently 33-15. and 15. They're second place in the Atlantic Division. Third overall in the Eastern Conference. They beat the Heat on the road without Jason Tatum and Ennis Cantor, 109-101. to 101. A huge, huge win. Then they beat the Warriors at TD Garden, 119-104. to 104. And then they beat, sorry, not beat, they destroyed the Philadelphia 76ers, 116-95 to at TD Garden this past Saturday night. They have four games coming up this week. Two games against the Atlanta Hawks, one game on the road, one game at home. They played the Magic at home, and then they also play the Oklahoma City Thunder on Sunday, which is on the road. The Oklahoma City Thunder are actually a pretty good team. And then they're going to have to play the Houston Rockets after that, who are also a pretty good team. So right now they're two games behind the Raptors for first place in the Atlantic Division, and they are <clears throat> third overall in the Eastern Conference. So they are currently tied with the Miami Heat for third overall in the Eastern Conference, but because they have they own the tiebreaker as of right now against the Miami Heat, they are currently the third seed. Now, they've won two games against the Miami Heat, and they actually play Miami twice in April. They play them on April 1st, and then on April 11th, one home, one away. going to be very interesting. If the Celtics can pull away from the Miami Heat, that would be huge because the Miami Heat are a really, really good team at home. They only lost three times at home all season. Going into, was it Tuesday night? Yeah, Tuesday night's matchup. The Heat only lost twice at home, and the Celtics made it number three. So being up 2-0, all they got to do is just beat the Heat one more time, and they would win that tiebreaker, unlike the 76ers where they've lost the season series with them, even though they did beat them this past Saturday night. Uh, they're, I think they're two games behind the Raptors, and then they're like two games up on the – two and a half games up on the Pacers and then three games up on the Philadelphia 76ers, and we'll talk how important that is coming up in a little bit. Now, before we really dive deep, obviously some things are going on with the Celtics that you need to be aware about. The first, I just want to say congratulations to Jason Tatum for being named in reserve on the All-Star team, his first All-Star team, absolutely incredible. You know, watching Tatum play at Duke for a year and then 
He comes and plays a few years with the Boston Celtics. It's really great to see how much this kid's improved. He deserves to be on this all-star team. And to be honest with you, I hope it pisses Jalen Brown off. I really do, and I hope it motivates him. And he just plays with a lot of anger, and it just takes him to the next level to try and make the all-star team next year. So congratulations to Jason Tatum and Deuce for making the all-star team. I'm looking forward to seeing Jason Tatum play with the other 23 of the best players in the NBA today. And that comes up on uh, Valentine's Day weekend. Yeah, it's like the 14th, 15th, 16th. So that'll be really cool to see Jason Tatum participate in all that. The trade deadline. The NBA trade deadline is coming up 3 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. That is when it ends. It's going to be very interesting. I am really intrigued to see what the Celtics do. Now, I just need to get this out right now. If you think the Celtics are trading for a Miles Turner, a LaMarcus Aldridge, a Kevin Love, a Tristan Thompson, a Clint Capella, it's not going to happen, folks. The Celtics will have to trade one of their top six guys to make that happen. If you think that any of those guys are better or more important or can help the Celtics team out more than Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, and Jason Tatum, you're out of your mind. Here's the thing. The Celtics are already at the cap. They can't do much because they have a lot of weird contracts. So basically, you know, Gordon Hayward and Kemba, they're the ones who make the most money. Then Jalen Brown, he obviously got a very nice contract bump coming into this season. Jason Tatum is still on his rookie deal, but let's be serious. They're not trading Jason Tatum. Marcus Smart makes about $13 million a year. So, for example, you have Miles Turner. You would have to trade Miles Turner, Ennis Cantor, and like a draft pick just to match what uh, Miles Turner makes. That's just for example. Now, if you want to trade it for like a Kevin Love, you're going to have to trade like Gordon Hayward or Jalen Brown or Kemba Walker. Are you trading any of those people for that? No. That's what I thought. So it could be a very interesting buyout market, but the Celtics with the buyout market are going to have to go against some really, really good teams. So, for example, if the let's say the Lakers are very interested in Tristan Thompson and Tristan Thompson gets bought out by the Cavs. Where do you think Tristan Thompson's going to go? He's probably going to go to L.A., and they're probably going to be willing to give him more money than the Celtics will. And, you know, he's like BFFs with LeBron, or at least I think he should be since LeBron got him a ridiculously high contract. So keep that in mind, okay? I don't think the Celtics are going to do anything. I think the Celtics are very content with how things are going. They're going to play it out and hope for the best because this team is intact together for a long time now will gordon hayward resign this summer that's something we can discuss at a later time but with that being said i don't expect trader danny and by the way let's talk about that real quick trader danny obviously made some really ballsy trades in the summer of 2007 to get ray allen and kg and and all that but like and sure the isaiah thomas thing worked out but the kendrick perkins jeff green trade did not work out so to be honest with you, I can't remember the last time Danny Ainge made like a huge trade where I was like, oh my God, it's going to work out. He's a good GM. He's smart. He collects his assets well. He's going to have to eventually use these assets, especially with the Memphis Grizzlies pick not looking as great as it should, but that's okay. So 
don't expect the Celtics to do a lot this upcoming. I mean, I will be shocked if they buy out market, fine, but I'll be shocked if they make any trades before 3 p.m. on Thursday. Now, some other issues going on with the NBA. Obviously, for those of you who don't know, Daryl Morey, the GM, the Danny Ainge, of, if you will, of the Houston Rockets, uh, on his Twitter spoke about Hong Kong and what was going on over there, and a lot of people are no longer watching the NBA over there, and that is a huge market for the NBA. You know, some of the NBA games are being blocked. They're not even being shown, and because of that, the NBA cap is going up next year, $215 million, which you're like, okay, that's good. That means revenue is still coming along. Not so much. The luxury tax is going down from $141 million to $139 million. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, Timmy G., why why are you talking about this? Well, let me explain. The luxury tax is paid by how much you are over and how many times you do it. And this could affect the Boston Celtics in the long term. This means the Celtics are going to have to... It doesn't mean like the Celtics are going to have to blow it up. Like, that's not it at all. But it just means that like Ennis Cantor, for example, at $5 million, now might be like $3.5 million. Because of that, players might not sign here. Because if the Celtics... Like, those $2 million that the Celtics had, like, if the Celtics have $139 million on the books, they're not in the luxury tax. So, that's great. But, next year, they're going to be in the luxury tax, which means they have to pay the NBA a certain amount of money based on how much money they are over, and that multiplies every single year. So, the Celtics could be affected by this. You might have to lose some guys. You might have to cut some guys. You may not be able to resign certain guys like on one-year deals like a Tice or a Cantor or something like that. So they're not in luxury tax. So just keep an eye out on that. It's not the end of the world. It's just really not a um, hmm, like an ideal situation for the Celtics right now. And because of that, we just mentioned Ennis Cantor, right? So let's do Cantor banter for this week. Let's go. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor Banter, baby! Wow! That's right. That is it for Cantor Banter this week. He is still out with a hip injury. Uh, He may not play all this week, and he may not be back until the All-Star break, just like the Time Lord. So we'll see how the Celtics do. But there there have been some times where Ennis Cantor has missed, but overall... The Celtics are doing pretty well without him, and we hope that Cantor Banter next week will be filled with rebound fun. Anyways, let's talk about that Miami Heat game because it was a great one. Celtics get a big win over Miami Heat, 109-101. to Like I mentioned, this is the Heat's third home loss all year, and the fact that they did it without Jason Tatum is huge. I was most happy with this game because the Celtics just kept getting punched in the face by the Miami Heat. The Celtics would go up 12, and then they'd you know, the Heat would come back on a 6-0 run, and the Celtics would counter with their own 5-6-0 or run, and they kept fighting. They kept their foot on the pedal. They didn't give up. They had an opportunity to do that more than a handful of times, and they've done that a lot this year where they play a good team. You know, a perfect example would be the the last time they played the Philadelphia 76ers before this past weekend. You know, they were up, what, 12 midway through the third quarter, and then let a team go on a run, and they just couldn't fight back, and it just really, really sucked. Last week on the podcast, I predicted Gordon Hayward would give us three double-doubles and two 20-point games. So, how is he going to start off this week? Well, he gave me 29 
points and nine rebounds. So I'm going to say that is basically a double-double, and that counts. It's my podcast, and I can do what I want. He was terrific, especially late in the game. He got to the free-throw line 10 times, which is something I really hope Jason Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown look at. They watch the tape, and they go, if he can get to the line, we can get to the line. Like I've said all year, I think every single media outlet that watches the Celtics all year have talked about if the Celtics get off to a good start, good things will happen, and they started off with an 8-0 run. Eric Spolstra called a timeout instantly, and then the best part was after this timeout, the Celtics didn't shit themselves. Gordon and Jalen hit a couple big threes and extended the lead to double digits a little bit, which was great. The Heat did come back in the second quarter thanks to basically playing a generic and basic 2-3 zone. And the Celtics looked clueless, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit because it drove me nuts. Thankfully, Kemba got a little hot. Kemba did not shoot the ball great in this game. He was, I think he was 5 of 19 for this game. But those five hoops that he made, I'm not saying they all came in the second quarter, but a couple of those were big, and Kemba finished the quarter out strong for the Celtics, and the Celtics were up 5 going into halftime. Now, I also predicted last week that the dud was going to be Marcus Smart, with bad shooting, and I was also right there because he was 3 of 13 from the field. He was 3 of 8 from 3. Kemba didn't, you know, like I said, Kemba didn't shoot the ball that great either. But with that being said, Marcus Smart did hit a pretty big three-pointer. I think the Celtics were up either 5 or 6, and Marcus Smart at the top of the key hit a big three-pointer to extend lead to 8 or 9 with about 3 minutes to go. So I will give Marcus Smart some credit there. To shoot that bad and still have the confidence to take a big shot like that, I salute you, but he's still... Did not shoot the ball very well. I really enjoyed Jalen Brown in this game. The Heat tried, like I mentioned, the Heat tried to go on some big runs, but Jalen hit some big shots, and they closed it out well. I was really happy. The The Heat had a hard time putting their big men up against the Celtics' wings. This was one of those games where you look at and you go, this is why the Celtics have three wing players, because it's impossible to guard all of them at the same time. Now, I understand that Jason Tatum wasn't one of those wings, but I'm talking about Shemi or Javante Green or whatever the case may be. So that was really, really cool to see. And the best part about this game, folks, Jalen Brown had five assists. You could be like, but hey, he scored 25 points and shot the ball well. I don't care. Jalen Brown had five assists. We know Jalen Brown and his assists are very important to me, and it was going to be a huge part of his game. And he had five assists, and he needs to do it more often, and I really hope he does because I predicted he'd do it 20 times this year, and I think he's only done it four, and we only have like, I don't know, 40-some-odd games left. So step it up, Jalen. But Jalen Brown had five assists in this game, which was awesome. And, oh, yeah, before I move on, a huge shout-out to Grant Williams and Shemi Ojale. They played some great minutes off the bench, and they played some great minutes off the bench all week. Shemi Ojale can really, I can't believe I'm going to compliment Shemi because we know I'm not the biggest Shemi Ojale fan, but Shemi Ojale, when he can hit a couple corner threes, he can really stretch the floor, and he defends so well, and that helps the Celtics off so much. Now Jalen doesn't have to guard the biggest or best player on their team. He can kind of, I don't want to say, not put a lot of energy into his defense because Jalen Brown's defense has been great this year, but he doesn't have to, you know, really be worn out by guarding their bigger or best players. So congrats to Shemi on really helping 
the Celtics win this game. And then you also have Grant Williams. Grant Williams on the uh, the third quarter. Sorry, I felt like I had a sneeze there. I was like, Grant Williams. Grant Williams was awesome in the third quarter, especially on the offensive boards. He had a really, really great stretch of like five or six minutes there. That was key for the Celtics from holding their lead because Gordon, Gordon, Gorgon Drogic from the Heat was awesome in this game. The Celtics really couldn't defend him, especially off the pick and roll. And Grant Williams played some good defense, rebounded the ball well. So that was great to see. All right. What, you know what? Screw this. Let's just get into stud and dud of the week. Hit the music. And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, your stud and dud of the week. Your stud is Gordon Hayward, folks. Just like I predicted, 19.3 points, 47% from the field, 40% from three, eight boards and two assists. That is what he averaged last week. He was the reason why they won in Miami. He didn't shoot the ball very well against the 76ers, but that's okay because I predicted he would score two 20-point games and have three double-doubles. So he had two 20-point games. He didn't even give us the three double-doubles, but he did have... Almost double-digit rebounds in all these games. So props to Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward has been playing very, very well as of late. I hope the poor performance, if you will. I think it was more of a poor shooting performance. He made a lot of good plays. He was their point forward a lot. He rebounded the ball very well against the 76ers. But the way that he played in the first quarter against the Warriors, I think he scored like 15 points in the first quarter against the Warriors. I'll have to double-check my notes. But... He was great against the Warriors. He was fantastic against the Heat. And sure, he didn't shoot the ball well in my uh, against the 76ers, but he did a lot of little things well. Then the dud is the Celtics zone offense. The Miami Heat and the Philadelphia 76ers threw a basic 2-3 zone offense, and every single time they approached them with it, they shit themselves. They were clueless. It's like they've never seen it before. And it was so frustrating. It was beyond frustrating it was borderline annoying if you will and i don't understand why like they can't just flip the script and be like okay guys it's the zone zone defenses are super easy to beat as long as you do everything properly number one is you move the ball you get the defense going from side to side and eventually you'll be able to hit a corner three-pointer and that's key because Jalen Brown is very good at his corner threes. Shemi Ojale is very good at his corner threes. Now, if that doesn't work and they're really not moving side to side, you get someone in the middle at the free throw line. Once that guy in the middle at the free throw line gets the ball, usually the man in the middle of the 2-3 zone will pop up. And one of two things can happen. They can attack. They can shoot. I'm sorry, maybe one of three things can happen. But either guy on the baseline from the wings can literally cut baseline. Hopefully, it's a nice, easy pass back door. You can lay it in. That's how you beat a 2-3 zone. Obviously, there are probably 78 different ways you can also do that. You can also be setting screens on the two guys at the elbows to block, you know, to drive a little bit, pull up a pull up jumper on the free throw line. You could do those type of things. But the Celtics didn't do that for a good period of time against the uh, against the Heat, and that's why the Heat were able to get a two-point lead, two- or three-point lead in the second quarter, and it's why the 76ers were able to creep back and get it down to like seven or eight points in the second quarter and the third quarter as well against the Celtics on Saturday. But anyways, so that's your stud and dud of the week. Your stud, Gordon Hayward, just like I predicted, and your dud is 
the Celtics zone offense, which hopefully they are practicing a great deal during the week this week, because I'm sure other teams will notice that and play 2-3 zone against the Celtics. Now we have the Warriors game. Nothing much to say, but the Celtics didn't play down to their competition, which was really, really nice to see. You remember how poorly they played against the Detroit Pistons because they played down to their competition? This time they didn't. The Celtics did a great job. Gordon Hayward came out firing. He did have 15 points in the first quarter. He finished with 25 points. So he literally had a 29-point and 25-point game back-to-back. Really, really good. The Celtics did everything that they were supposed to do. They shot the ball better from three, from the field. They out-rebounded them. They had more points from them in the paint. The list goes on and on. What they didn't do well is take care of the basketball. They had 23 turnovers. They were really ugly at times, and it was kind of annoying, and I didn't like it. And it can't happen that much. 23 turnovers against a the worst team in the NBA record-wise is really not ideal. They also didn't get back on defense because the Golden State Warriors had 26 fast break points and the Celtics only had 10. Now, obviously, 23 turnovers. They did have a lot more points off turnovers than the Celtics did. But it is what it is. The... I think the Celtics were up 10 going into halftime. Yeah, they were up 7, then they won the second quarter by 3, and they were up 10 at halftime. And the the lead kind of was dwindling a little bit, and then Jalen Brown came in um, off of his, was it in the third quarter that they went on this run where he scored like 6 or 8 points? Yeah, it was the third quarter, late in the third quarter. Jalen came back in, and they went on a 12-3 run. They got the lead up to 16, and they were really, really good. The, the defense, no, wait, when did Jalen Brown go on that 12-3 run where he had eight points? It was in the second quarter because then that got up the lead to 16. The Warriors chipped away with like 90 seconds left. They were up 10, and then the Celtics' defense sucked in the third quarter. They were nowhere to be found. I think they tied in that quarter. Or the Celtics won by like a basket. It was 31-29, to I think, in that third quarter. And the Celtics' defense was nowhere to be found. They played absolutely atrocious. But then the fourth quarter starts, and the three ball really helped out the Celtics, which is crazy to think about when you're playing against the Warriors. But obviously, no Klay Thompson, no Steph Curry. I mean, that just sucks for the Warriors. It really does. But the Celtics hit four out of their first six three-pointers to start the fourth quarter. That really helped them expand the lead, and that was that. It was a nice win because the game was so good against the Miami Heat, I thought they are going to be like, come home and just be like, nah, whatever. But they didn't. They didn't let the Warriors come back in. They The lead should have always been at 16, but obviously that wasn't the case. I mean, they ended up winning by 15. But at times you're like, why is this down to 10? Why is this down to 9? It was kind of annoying, kind of lazy. But you know what? It is what it is. They played well. They got a win. They didn't you know, play really, really well, then play really crappy before a big game. So I think... The fact that they beat the Heat and then they could come back two days later and beat the Warriors and have some confidence going into the 76ers game really, really helped them. And it showed because the Celtics needed this win against Philadelphia 76ers for a couple reasons. Number one, you avoid a season sweep. You can now gain some confidence back because I fully believe the Celtics had no confidence going into this game. Because they've lost three straight against the Philadelphia 76ers, a team that is your rival, a team that... A lot of people thought would be going to the NBA Finals. I mean, they still could. They just don't look like they could. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I mean, they still lose the tiebreaker overall, so that kind of sucks. Now you have a three-game lead on the Philadelphia 76ers heading into next week, 
or this week, I should say, and they play the Bucks and the Heat this week. So if you can get a win against the Hawks, you can get a win against the Magic, and they lose against the Bucks, and they lose against the Heat, that's big time. That's actually huge. I'm trying to look up the schedule real quick to see who else the Philadelphia 76ers are playing. But you could expand that lead, and that could cause the Philadelphia 76ers to do something pretty crazy. They The question is, after this blowout loss, I'm trying to see who they play here. So yeah, they play at Miami tonight, at Milwaukee on Thursday. Then they play the Grizzlies and the Bulls this week. So the Grizzlies have been playing some great basketball as of late. Uh, the Bulls just got blown out by the Raptors. Oh, and then they play the Clippers, and then they play the Bucks again. So this could be big time. I, I know the 76ers beat the... Um, the 76ers destroyed the Milwaukee Bucks on Christmas. So they, they'll have some confidence going in beating this uh, Milwaukee Bucks team. So they'll be interesting. But if the Celtics can get a five or six game lead on the Philadelphia 76ers, that'd be great. But here's the thing. If the Philadelphia 76ers are the sixth seed and you finish as a three seed, are you confident going in playing the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round? They're a terrible road team. That I don't I think they're like nine and fifteen on the road this year. They're terrible on the road. Home court is going to be very important for the Celtics. Excuse me, because the Celtics are an okay road team. I think they're like thirteen and twelve, maybe fifteen and twelve, something like that. And the home court's huge, especially in the NBA in the playoffs. So if you man, this was just a really really good win for the Celtics. It was needed. Stretch out, you know, like I said, a three game lead right now, which is absolutely great. The great part about this was they did it without Kemba, and you could say, well, you know, the 76ers didn't have Josh Richardson, but, like, come on, Josh Josh Richardson or Kemba Walker? Who do you want on your team? Kemba Walker every day of the week. The Celtics, folks, the Celtics in the first half took 25 free throws. Do you remember every single episode last season? I was just hoping that in one game they would go to the line at least 25 times. They did that in the first half. They were so aggressive. Everyone was aggressive. Jalen, Gordon. Um, I literally just had a brain fart because I was so excited thinking about the fact that this team did some great, great things attacking and going to the rim. Jalen, Jason, fire and ice were great in the first quarter. They helped them really get that double-digit lead. They were flying all over the place defensively. The Celtics really did a great job doubling Joel Embiid. He was 1-11 from the field. The Celtics did a great job. I was really proud of Tice by just kind of relying on his teammates to help him because I think we can all agree that Daniel Tice and us know that he cannot defend Joel Embiid in the post in any way, shape, or form. So the Celt- the fact that the Celtics were fresh, flying around, helping out on double teams, getting out on shooters was really, really awesome. You frustrated Joel Embiid early, which I think was huge. I think it was very important. I think it was a key to the game because I think eventually he was just like, fuck this. I don't want to play anymore. Like, whatever. But... Fire and ice starting well, and Jason Tatum putting Al Horford on the poster was really motivating for this team. I really feel like this team is just really likes each other, and they want every single player on this team to succeed, unlike last year. But we don't talk about last year anymore. I got a little nervous going into the second quarter. The Celtics got a lead up to 16. Then the 76ers started playing 2-3 zone. They missed some shots. They gave up some wide-open shots to the 76ers, and then it's down to 8. But what was crazy about all this is 
Joel Embiid picked up his third foul, and that's when the 76ers started coming back. And the sec- this you could mention that the 76ers did a really good job with Joel Embiid out. I think Ben Simmons likes being on the floor without Joel Embiid because he can run, other guys can run with him, and their fast break can really, really do some big things, which it showed, especially in the second quarter. So the third quarter came around. Celtics were up, I think, 10 at this point. Joel Embiid had 11 points in the third quarter. It was probably the best part of his... Of didn't Wait, did I, did I say that right? I don't think I said... <laughs> I don't think I said that right at all because I don't think Joel Embiid. Yeah, Joel Embiid. Yeah, he literally took nine free throws. He finished with 11 points. I think he got his last hoop in the third quarter. That's what I meant to say. Sorry about that. But the Celtics had some fun in the third quarter, especially Jalen Brown, who was incredible in this game. 32 points overall. But what was crazy, you're like, wow, 32 points. He must have shot the ball from three really well. No, he was one of 10 from three. Like, who would have thought? Jalen Brown, 32 points, 1 of 10 from 3. He had 9 rebounds, and he looked pissed. He didn't make that all-star team. He really and truly did. But the highlight of this game for me with Jalen Brown was his ball-handling skills. Jalen Brown's dribbling has really improved, and I begged, and I pleaded, and I prayed that Jalen Brown's ball-handling would improve this year, and it did, and it was on showcase on Saturday night. He schooled Mattis Theibel on a hezzy move where he brought the ball back, waited, Brought it back over with his left hand, took it to the rim for an easy layup. It was very good, and Thibault is a lockdown defender. Jalen Brown's ball handling was awesome in this game, and if that can improve and he can hit jumpers off the dribble like he did in Toronto on Christmas and this game here, watch out NBA. Speaking about watch out NBA, Brad Wanamaker made some big shots, huh? Brad Wanamaker dunked twice in this game. One of them was on Joel Embiid. He stared down Joel Embiid and got a technical, which just shows the pussification of the NBA. Let a guy stare another guy down when that guy is five inches shorter and he just threw a dunk down. Like, come on, NBA. Be better. But Brad Wanamaker, two steals, three assists, 15 points, super confident. It was One of Brad Wanamaker's best games of the season. Obviously, in November, he played some really, really good basketball, and that's when I feel like a lot of people started recognizing him. He didn't play that great at the end of December, beginning of January, but I feel like he also didn't get a lot of minutes to do that as well. But he got a lot of minutes in this game, and he played very well. Shemi Ojale, also, more great minutes off the bench. Grant Williams worked his butt off in this game. Great minutes off the bench. There was one sequence in the third quarter, was it late in the third quarter, maybe early in the fourth quarter, where he got two offensive rebounds in a row, and the Celtics just kept on shooting, and then the Celtics missed a third shot, and he got fouled on it, and he was on the floor. He was so hyped. He was so pumped. If Brad Wanamaker, Shemi Ojale, and Grant Williams can play like they did in this game against the 76ers, the Celtics are going to be able to go 10 deep in the playoffs, for real, because you'll have Smart coming off the bench, You'll have Cantor coming off the bench. You'll have Grant Williams, and you'll have Brad Wanamaker. I don't think the Brad Stevens will want to go 10 deep in the playoffs, but I think it's an option as long as these guys can play that well. For real. They played really, really well. Shemi and Grant Williams had great, great weeks. If it wasn't for Gordon Hayward, I might have done Grant and Shemi as stud of, uh, the studs of the week. For real. And, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, our first-time All-Star, Jason Tatum, it's great in this game. 25 points. I think he did it off 19 shots. Yeah, he went to the free throw line 10 times. Four assists in this game. Three rebounds. I'd like to see Jason T- 
Tatum rebound a little bit more, but in this game, he did great. So I mentioned this earlier. The The question is, do the 76ers now make a big deal? Like, do they now go all out at the trade deadline to get better shooting? Because both teams in this game, folks, oh my God, th- this was one of the worst three-point shooting games I've ever seen. The 76ers were 7 of 33. The Celtics were 8 of 30. So they were combined 15 of 63 absolutely putrid that's probably not even 25 percent. i don't feel like doing math but it was absolutely putrid performance by both teams for real just absolutely terrible so do the 76ers overreact and go get a shooter do they give up a good bench piece to get a reasonable shooter who knows it'll be very very interesting to see eh. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't know what noise I just made, but anyways, I'm just really happy about this week from the Boston Celtics. They looked good. They looked confident. They beat two playoff teams, one on the road, one at home. They got, you know, some playoff teams coming up. I mean, right now the Magic are a playoff team. Sure, they have a losing record. They have the Oklahoma City Thunder coming up. They're a playoff team with a winning record. Then they have to before the All Star break. The Celtics could lose like back to back games, and I'm a little nervous about that. But they play the Houston Rockets and the Clippers. One at the Rockets at home, yeah, I'm sorry, the Rockets on the road and Clippers at home, so got to keep an eye out on that. Let's talk about this upcoming week. They play the Hawks twice this week. Both games are at 7.30. One is tonight on the road down in Miami, and then the other is Friday night at home at TD Garden. The Hawks are currently 13-37, and 37, and they're trying to build around Trey Young, and there are rumors that John Collins might be available at the trade deadline, and if John Collins is available at the trade deadline for two first-round picks and, let's say, Ennis Cantor, uh, do it. <laughs> I, you know, I love Anis Cantor. I'll miss doing Cantor banter if that's the case. But John Collins, the other day against Joel Embiid, got 20 rebounds. He literally had a double-double. The kid is an athletic freak of, you know, freak of nature. He's everything we want the Time Lord to be. But John Collins is already that. And I feel, feel like that'd be a huge upgrade. He could come off the bench. I don't know how you'd feel about that. But him, Tice, and Time Lord, if he does get healthy, would be great for the Celtics. Absolutely. I would absolutely love it. Going into Monday's game against the Hawks, uh, Cam Reddish is out with a concussion. Dembry is most likely doubtful for this game as well. Trey Young is questionable, but there'll be no Cantor, there'll be no Kemba, and Marcus Smart is also currently questionable. So obviously, if Trey Young doesn't play in this game and Cam Reddish doesn't play in this game, it will literally just be defend John Collins and hopefully it works out. The Hawks have lost three out of the last five games, but last Thursday they did beat the Atlanta Hawk, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers 127 to 117 at home. So they can beat teams when everyone does show up. Obviously in this game you gotta in both games you gotta control Trey Young. Don't give him a lot of open shots. Throw wings at Collins in every single way. Throw Jalen, throw Grant, throw Shemi, throw Tice, throw Hayward, throw a bunch of guys at him, and it, we should be good. If they, if they lose to the Hawks, I'm going to be really, really pissed off. They should win two, both games on the road and at home this week. You know, Herter's a good shooter. Jeff Teague got traded to the Hawks. He, You know, Jeff Teague and Al Horford were teammates uh, back in the day where the Hawks finally kind of came back from life because they were such a bad team for so long. And, you know, it's good to see. It just makes sense to see Jeff Teague in Atlanta Hawks jersey. This will be the last time Vince Carter will be playing at TD Garden in his career on Friday night. So if you're a Vince Carter fan like myself, my buddy Big T were, make sure you watch this game. Make sure you go to the game. It should be a great game. 
The final thing that I got to mention about these two games is no one produces more turnovers every single night in the league than the Atlanta Hawks. So points off turnovers will be big in this game. Force turnovers, get some fast breaks, get some easy dunks. Let's make it happen. The Miami, uh, I'm sorry, the Miami Heat. I'm so pumped about this Miami Heat win because they were so good at home that I just keep thinking about them, keep thinking about them. But the Orlando Magic, I think, what was it, 10 days ago? Probably, yeah, 10, 12 days ago, uh, they beat the Orlando Magic on the road. And the Celtics won thanks to Kemba Walker. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum didn't play in that Magic game, and they still were able to pull out a win. Rumor has it Kemba will also be missing this game too. So obviously if Jalen and Jason play, that's obviously, I want to say, an upgrade because you know having Jalen and Jason versus not having Jalen and Jason could probably equal out covering the fact that Kemba will not be playing. The big question going into this game, can Gordon Hayward, can Jason Tatum, can Jalen Brown dominate the boards against a really, really good rebounding team? The Orlando Magic are one of the best rebounding teams in the NBA. Gordon had 14 boards the last time these two teams played. I think he had like a 20-point, 14-rebound game. So can we get that out of Gordon Hayward again? That'd be very, very important. As of Monday, when I'm recording this podcast, the Orlando Magic have lost five games in a row, including the Celtics. It was the Celtics, the Thunder, two games against the Heat, and the Clippers. So they're in a little bit of a funk right now. So keep that in mind to see if they can snap out of this funk. Obviously, they're going to do everything that they can to you know, snap out of the losing streak, but to do that on the road will be very, very tough. You know, obviously they got Vujicic, they got, Gore, uh, oh my God, what's his name? Aaron Gordon. They have Mobamba. They have a lot of athletic wings that can rebound, that can defend these guys, but you got to keep an eye out on Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier almost got the Orlando Magic back in this game 10 or 12 days ago down in Orlando. He shoots the ball very well, especially off screens. You can't go under his screens. If you go under screens, he will shoot over you. It's got to go over. The other guy's got to hedge. It's a major, major thing, and he can beat the Celtics with their shooting. He always plays well against them. But as of Monday, going into their game against the Hornets, he is questionable with a back issue. So keep an eye out on that. The good thing about the last time these two teams played was the fourth quarter. The Celtics gave up. I don't want to say they gave up the lead, but they had a big lead. The Magic cut it down to like four or five, maybe even six points, but they got punched in the mouth, and they came right back. The bench will have to play great again. Javante Green, Shemi Ojale, and Grant Williams were great in this game. So obviously with Kemba out and most likely Cantor out, they're going to need some more production from Shemi, Javante Green, and Grant Williams. Make it happen. they got to defend the bigger guys well, especially Shemi and Graham Williams. And finally, oh, man, I thought I was going to go all podcast without burping, but here we are. All right, this will be the first time the Celtics see the Oklahoma City Thunder, a very good Oklahoma City Thunder team at 3.30 on Sunday in Oklahoma City. No one thought this Oklahoma City Thunder team would be very good, but as of right now, I think they're the seventh seed in the West. They're 30-10, and 10, and as of Monday, they are a team that has won seven out of their last game, seven seven out of their last games, (laughs) seven out of their last eight home games, a pretty healthy team too. I think they're only missing one or two guys, but they're not like important guys in any way, shape or form. You obviously have Alexander and Gallinari who came over in the Clippers trade with Paul George and well, not, they didn't come over, right? Paul George didn't get traded. He was a free agent, right? And then those 
guys just came over. Or was it a trade? Anyways, it doesn't matter. Gallinari and Alexander used to play for the Clippers, and now they're playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they lead the team in scoring. So you have Alexander, Gallinari, and Dennis Schroeder, who are all averaging 19 points a game. And the Thunder are bringing out a very interesting lineup to start these games that I think the Celtics are going to be able to match, but it will be interesting. They come out, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, a three-guard offense, two-guard offense. And what they mean by three guards is like you could have two shooting guards and one point guard. But these guys have a three-point guard lineup. Then they have Gallinari, and then, of course, Steven Adams. Alexander is a long, lengthy point guard who's very good. Then you have CP3, who's one of the best point guards to ever do it, minus his winning, because he's never made it past an Eastern Conference or, uh, conference Finals. Then you have Dennis Schroeder, who always plays well against the Celtics, who's like a sneaky, slimy point guard. But the fact that they have three point guards playing is going to be very interesting. So if Kemba is back, you obviously have Kemba. Then you have Gordon. And I think Gordon Hayward could guard Alexander. Kemba could guard CP3. But then who is going to guard Dennis Schroeder? Can Jalen do it? Can Jason do it? It will be very interesting because you're going to need Tice on Cantor. And, I mean, Tice on Adams. And Gallinari can be covered by Jalen or Jason, I think. So they'll be very interesting. I think if if there's a team in the NBA that can match up with their wings and be athletic enough to match up with three different point guards starting, it might be it might be the Celtics. It will be it will be good. And their bench ain't bad either. They got Dallow. They got uh, Nerlens Noel. They have Dort, that kid from Arizona State that I wanted the Celtics to draft, who's an absolute tank. He's basically a more athletic Shemi Ojale. And then our old friend Abdel Nader. You remember him? Back in the day, he was terrible. Well, now he's actually playing some pretty reasonable basketball off the bench. He scores like six or seven points a game for them. So it'll be It'll be interesting. I'm not saying these guys are great, but they just get good minutes from these guys when they're needed, you know? But here's the thing with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I think it's going to be something that we all enjoy. The Thunder win ugly. They win very ugly. They only score the 17th most points in the league per game. They allow the 10th most points per game, but they're winning by three points. Their net rating is like three points, which is crazy. So they're 23 in rebounding, which isn't good. They're 25th in assists per game, which isn't good. They only shoot 30% from three at home, which isn't good. But they can force turnovers. And the Celtics had 23 turnovers against the Warriors the other day. They can't do that. So it's an ugly win by the Celtics if they can get this win. And I think the Celtics like playing ugly too. Because there have been some times this year the Celtics have played some really ugly basketball. So I think this could be a really good week going... The Celtics, this is an opportunity for the Celtics to go on a five or six game win streak. They've won three in a row. They can beat the Hawks. They can beat the Magic. They could go into this upcoming Sunday's game on a six game win streak before they have to. And then if they can beat the Thunder, a seven game win streak going into the two games before the All Star break, it will be huge. Kemba will get some rest. Tatum will get some rest. I know they're both playing in the All Star game, but these guys will get some rest and everyone else can be healthy. And then the hospital Celtics can finally be healthy. Because at this point, like, fire the training staff. Why is everyone hurt? It's absolutely unbelievable. But that's that. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode 67 of the Banner Banter Podcast. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And I know my niece isn't listening, but I want to wish an early third birthday to my beautiful, perfect, and lovely niece, Rara. You're one of the best things that's ever happened to me. You always make me smile, and I wish you the happiest 
and happiest of birthdays if you are listening. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.